I've seen that video of the one guy. It's like exactly, you know, fourteen eighty <laughs> or whatever. Yes, Bob. It's, uh, I mean, he. It's is... like, are you sure it's not that? No, that's two fifty or something. <laughs> no, no, no. Welcome to Rage You Nerds, the only podcast brought to you by. I'm just kidding. Everyone brings you a podcast, and most of them are white men in their. Uh, middle-aged years so this is nothing new this is this is more of the same uh but i am mr cack and i am joined by tj and today we're going to talk some wrestling on this podcast episode and then at the very end we're going to touch briefly on the passing of johnny hardwick which we only really know him by del gribble and the impact that del gribble had while a fictional character was deeply profound, I feel like. So let's let's get to that, but first let's talk about the nonsensory bullcrappery that is soap opera athletics. That's right, TJ, I'm talking about wrestling. We had the most recent biggest slam of the summer, SummerSlam, uh, happened in the WWE, and if you're up for it, we can chat a little bit about the shaping up card of All In coming in uh, later this month. So, TJ, you Yo. watched SummerSlam, or you caught some of the highlights of SummerSlam. What did you think of the slamming this summer? Okay, so you've watched it, I imagine, right? Yes, yep. So I, I did too. I, I didn't watch it live, um, but I watched it, like, uh, the next day. Same. And first off, I mean, let's just kind of run down the card and just kind of talk about the matches. So Logan Paul defeats Ricochet. I don't like Logan Paul. <laughs> Not a lot of people, I'd imagine, do like Logan Paul. Uh, but I think this is, what, his first win? Uh, so it's his first, what, singles win. Because he has a win in his very first match, which was his very first Mania. And he tag-teamed with The Miz. And they won. And then The Miz skull-crushing finaled him at the okay. at the end of that match. So it's not, it's not his first win, but this is definitely his first singles win. So overall i mean i give the guy credit like he is like did not come into the wwe conventionally you know the way a lot of them do like you know spending years on the independent going to nxt and or yeah. learning you know directly in nxt and then you know going through that system for a while you know but i mean the dude can put on a match yeah i mean it was good like and on top of that, like, I, if you ever watch any of his, like, videos on YouTube, like, his uh, interviews with... His his impulsive... Uh, no, I haven't... I've, I've seen, like, sometimes the clips that come from it, but I've never actually seen anything much more than maybe a minute at most in okay. intervals. He's got a lot of respect for the business. You know, whereas a lot of celebrities or whatever that might come in to do like a one-off thing don't really have that kind of respect for it so i mean i give him his credit like if he ends up doing this thing like for a long time like i could see them putting uh like a belt on him at some point so here is my prediction if you want if you want my forward thinking in the next three years here's yep. what's going to happen for logan paul okay logan paul is going to win i would say if not this upcoming mania then for sure the next Mania. He's going to win a mid-card title at a Mania. You think a mid-card title? You don't I think do. they'll do the, the top top prize for him or anything? I don't think they'll do him at first, but because here's what my next thing is. Uh -huh. I think within the next three years, he wins the Royal Rumble. I uh, think in the next three years, that guy is going to win the Royal Rumble, and then that's where he'll get his Mania moment. Okay. I feel like it's... I feel like even though they want to strap a rocket ship to the back of him, because he is insanely talented as a, a soap opera athletic performer, I feel like there's just going to be so much blowback. Like you have to let well, him it's the, it's earn like the, his dues first, right? People, yeah. are, people are already outspoken about Roman. Sheamus has recently come out and and, and dropped some bars on Roman Reigns right. and how he just just gets everything and doesn't wrestle <laughs> like so. I feel like they got to be careful with that. If it's if it's sure if it's strictly a Vince move, Logan Paul could be champion <laughs> by Monday, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I don't see I definitely don't see a uh, like a major title like in the next 3 years. I can see a mid-card. I can see like United States champion because that's kind of like the under the Intercontinental title kind of thing. Yeah. You know, or I can see like tag team champion because oh, let's yeah. face it, I mean, what are they going to do with the tag team belts? 
It's fair. Apparently, like what Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens are injured at this point. Oh my gosh! Have you, did you see? Did you see Sami Zayn's elbow? This is like the John Cena's elbow from a few years back. Oh, uh, it looked like, like it the looked golf like a ball in it or yeah, something. Yeah, it looked yeah. like a baby's head was trying to grow out of his arm. Man, it was. I can't believe they showed it on TV. It just looks so creepy. Yeah, <laughs> look weird. I think. I think. I don't see a world where within the next five years, Logan Paul hasn't held one of the two heavyweight championships. Honestly, we're just being honest. I feel like they can't sit on him too long. So I think five years is the extent of how they can let, how much they can let it linger. That's why I'm saying three years, he probably wins a rumble and makes the most of it. Or he wins a money in the bank. I could see him winning a briefcase. And I think he could be really good with that because he's shitty and his schedule is pretty laxed. Yeah, I, I could I could see him doing like winning money in the bank next year. Right. I can see that happening. Yeah. Um, as far as a rumble, I don't know, man. Like, I think it'd be like he like he'd get down to the final four kind of thing. I don't I don't know about a rumble, but definitely uh, definitely money in the bank or like a mid card or tag team title. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right. Next one. Oh, Cody. wait, right quick before we Yo. transition out of that. Okay. What'd you think of them giving Ricochet an out? Uh, he didn't beat Ricochet clean. He used brass knucks from some random dude that gave him. Brass See, that's knucks. that's like yeah, that's a that's <laughs> that's your that's your typical like heel move, right? But I mean, it I played honestly, in perfectly. I, hon- I honestly thought they were gonna let Ricochet get beat clean because I don't think they necessarily care about Ricochet, and I thought this was only building Paul. Yeah. And then when I saw that he used a gimmick to beat him, I was like, you know what? That's not that. Hey, that's actually a net positive for Ricochet, I think. Yeah, you can always I mean, write it off as well, you didn't beat me. You beat me, but you didn't beat me. <laughs> well, um, what's the next pay per view? Payback, right? Yep. So you, I can see a rematch on Payback. Yeah. I mean, easily, you know. But I mean, that's one of those things. It's like you know, here's this guy. He hasn't had a singles win. He's a heel. Um, you know, give him the singles win, but let him cheat to do it. Yeah, I'm all for I'm all for cheating for heels, man. I'm all for yeah. it. All right. Next up, you got bomb, 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 bomb. <laughs> well, Cody Rhodes versus Brock Lesnar. Cody Rhodes beat. Oh yeah, Brock I was Lesnar. doing Roman. I was doing. Yeah. Was doing Roman. Roman's Reigns. old theme doing, music. I was doing Roman. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot how Brock Lesnar's go. Isn't it like a? Isn't it like a raw? Or is that Braun Strowman? What I think it's Braun Strowman. Uh, Brock starts with music? like that screeching at the first of it. Oh. And then there's like some music or whatever. Well, I guess I should have just done Cody's then. Yeah. There's more than one royal family. <laughs> Did you watch the uh, documentary? I haven't, but I've seen oh, the quote dude. come out of it saying that uh, Triple H called <laughs> someone a second-rate promotion. <laughs> it is worth the watch, honestly. They're doing some really good uh, reality-esque like doc stuff and like even that treasure stuff like the the going and finding treasures that just seems appealing too yeah uh i do like that because it it does you know it brings back a lot of memories like with the uh you know rick flair coming to raw like and wearing like this black robe and then him losing the black robe like a week later and then him having to track it down kind of thing (laughs) you know but it does bring back a lot of memories especially you know when they're bringing back like the undertaker and they get his mask from when he wore like after Mabel crushed his face so i do like the uh treasures one but oh yeah the uh, american nightmare becoming cody rhodes documentary well worth the watch real good okay i mean they they go in they go deep into it like they start like back in school like when he's in like grade school and high school and going through that you know going through his original run going through his time in the independence and aew like building this persona building this character and then finally coming back so i mean it is worth the watch um but his match against brock lesnar what'd you think number three of number three of three so i a part of me was upset that it wasn't a gimmick match because I felt like that was the rumors that it was going to be this gimmick that was pulling back from like the olden days, like one we hadn't seen before. Like but a dog an- collar or something? Something like that. But then another part of me was like, well, you know what? If it's non-gimmick and they find a way for Cody to win straight up, then they've just made Cody huge. Yeah. And that seemed to be the route they chose to go. Uh, and, you know, glad they did because, yeah, I mean... 
Brock's not like Brock could probably keep wrestling forever. He just seems like he's genetically different. <laughs> Honestly, but it's nice that he gives the rub to people that he legitimately likes, and it seems like Cody happens to be one of those people. Well, that, but like, I mean, if you watch his like, it, a lot of times it looks like he's gassed, like after about three or four minutes. Yeah. Right, you know, I mean, he, he, he shows up and he's all good, but then three or four minutes, you know, he's drenching with sweat. His face is beat red, and I'm sitting there thinking, that guy's going to have a heart attack in the ring. <laughs> like, I mean, uh, you might be right. I don't know, like, you know, if he can do the whole, yeah, you know, true. like 20, 30-minute match anymore. I, you know, because a lot of his WrestleMania matches, a lot of uh, his, super you know. Short, yeah. yeah, you know, they're, they're super short. But, I mean, I liked... I hated, absolutely hated at WrestleMania when Cody did not win the title. Yeah. It legitimately pissed me off, yeah. which is ridiculous because it's not real. <laughs> Very true. Very true. But the storyline, <laughs> you know, Cody Rhodes going to the independents, building a name for himself, starting a wrestling company, only to leave it to come back. And then a year later, have that WrestleMania main event spot with Brody Lee's son at ringside. Because remember, Brody Lee, Cody Rhodes, really good friends before mm -hmm. Brody Lee's passing. And his son, Negative One, I don't know what his real name is, uh, but, you know, in AEW, he's Negative One at ringside. You know, giving him his, his weight belt and everything. And it's just set up everything for the perfect story for Cody to finally win the title. Only for the damn bloodline <laughs> to go in and prevent him from doing it. But since then, uh, the storyline, you know, ever, ever since coming out of that, like he needs to continue the story. The story's not over. You know, it's not finished. He needs to keep going. And then like the whole Brock Lesnar feud and everything. I thought it was a good end to the feud. I mean, it was a very like tough hitting match. You know, how many times did Brock Lesnar throw him out of the ring, try to get him to count out and just keep yelling like stay down. Yeah. He, uh, there's that. And they, sh I think they showed it on Monday too, where he like says to him, Hey, it's only going to get worse. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I mean, just like seeing that in the ring and everything, I was like, man, that is, that is storytelling at its finest like you know i don't want to you know brock lesnar literally being this guy it's like i don't want to do this you're making me do this <laughs> you know and then cody keep going back in and never giving up and keep going back in just tells i mean it just builds to that story so i thought it was really good i thought it was a good match hey, i thought it ended well i thought the handshake was brilliant which was off script. Yeah. Uh, Brock went into business for himself on that one. And, and I know, I know you can't count it as a legitimate timing because Brock's matches, if they do run long, it's because people are getting their ass whooped and thrown around yeah. outside the ring. And there's a lot of counting and on the ground panting and people getting beat up and like that moment of, will they get back up? So that eats up some time. But this match was out of eight matches on the card. This was the fifth longest, which I know doesn't sound like a lot. And it went for 17 minutes and 35 seconds. Like that's and, a that's a pretty dang long. I, I I don't keep track of the rest of his stuff, but I know at one time he had a match that maybe was five minutes. <laughs> I think one of the WrestleManias with like Seth Rollins or something. Yeah, because he got kicked in the crotch yeah. before the bell rang, and that match lasted like three minutes. <laughs> yeah, like I think I think he did like a bunch of suplexes, and then Seth Rollins did like three curb stomps, and <laughs> yep, <laughs> like I think that was it. I mean, it was it was short. You know, he doesn't do long matches, uh, but he doesn't need to. He's he's the attraction. Like WWE doesn't have the attraction anymore since you know the era of Hulk Hogan's gone. Hulk Hogan and The Rock are gone. I mean, right, we got, so we got, we got L.A. Night. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good segue into the next <laughs> match. <laughs> so, what are your takeaways from the from the the battle royal? Uh, it was absolutely worthless. <laughs> like, I mean, it's cool to do a battle royal. Yeah, and I'm glad they gave it to the correct winner. I just uh, a part of me, even though I didn't necessarily, it wouldn't have been the match I bumped, but the fact that trish versus becky got bumped yeah and this got added <laughs> just like did we need this could we not have just put la against someone and, and got that win 
Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely it felt like, hey, we have a pretty deep roster. Yeah. We want to put them all as much as we can on SummerSlam. Um, Becky versus Trish. Honestly, it doesn't sound like it's going to be that interesting of a match to me. No, I don't think so. And I think that's pro- probably one of the reasons why I was bumped. But LA Knight winning, um, you know, give the fans something to cheer for. But there were some spots in there that I was like, holy crap. <laughs> they could set up a damn storyline. They can set up, like, I don't know if you saw the Miz and Grayson Waller. Which is which is a good setup. Uh, there was what Santo Escobar and Austin Theory had a had an exchange, yeah. which that played out. Also, uh, some fallout today on today's SmackDown for that. Uh, so I do appreciate that they actually, if you're gonna do it, make sure it's not a complete just parade of talent, which is yeah. it's fine in and of itself. But I do appreciate that they decided to try and plant in. Now, some people could argue, could they have? just made those things part of like a singles match in the sure sure (laughs) but well like the the miz and grayson waller thing though like i don't know when they were standing side by side like if you didn't know which one was which you wouldn't you know (laughs) yeah but here's the thing like they did the spot where miz went for like the skull crushing finale and grayson waller jumped through the rope and did his signature with the skull crushing finale tell me they're not setting up a tag team for those two because keep in mind, The Miz was originally with, like, uh, John Morrison and The Miz, right? Yeah. And, you know, big-time tag team in the WWE in their early run, you know, had the championships and everything. So they could easily set up, like, a tag team for those two, you know, the veteran and the rookie coming in, winning tag team gold, have that going for, you know, a year or two, and then Grayson Waller turning on The Miz, Man, just how many tag teams can you put the Miz in and have him? Well, or you know, them the betray? WWE doesn't really have any tag teams, though. I mean, they have the Alpha Academy, they have Viking Raiders, they have. Um, that's about it, isn't it? I mean, they're kind of technically, well, not actually, but they're, I mean, they're basically breaking up the Usos for a little bit. Yeah, which we'll get to uh, that. Yeah. But like, um, but I mean, as far as like actual tag teams go, like there isn't really any that there. I mean, actually, you know. They throw singles competitors together and say, okay, now you're a tag team. But very rarely do they find two singles competitors, put them together, and they actually make a really good tag team. And I think Miz and Grayson Waller would make a really good tag team. I think they would be a legitimate threat to the KO and Sami Zayn titles um, outside of the Usos. You know, I don't think uh, the way that they're doing Alpha Academy and Viking Raiders and there's another one. I'm missing it. Brawling Brutes? Uh, Well, I mean, they're more of a trio. LWO? They're more of a faction. Mm. I'm talking about like legitimate, like two people. Yeah, I'm sure there's there's someone. Pretty Deadly, I guess, is in there too. Yeah, but one of them's injured and that kind of stinks because they were getting pushed very quickly ahead which i think technically uh, it's a trio imperium i was gonna say technically imperium is a trio but i mean giovanni and ludwig are the tag team of that trio while gunther or walter or whatever his name is uh is the is the uh singles competitor yeah so i don't know i can see that i think that would be interesting i think they should definitely move forward with that all right. Uh, now just, pro- just, just, just so you remember, mm-hmm. L.A. Knight gets to now be in a Slim Jim's commercial, and honestly, he should be the new Macho Man of this generation. Well, I think they're still doing. He, I think he already is in a Slim Jim's commercial. I saw a Slim Jim commercial with him, and like, I want to say Bianca Belair. Well, he needs to be the main, the main one moving forward, like Macho Man. He got yeah. the, he's got the voice for it. And they still have like the. I think they still had the Macho Man like thing at the end, like on a TV. Just. Uh, bring people back to it i guess all right next match the match i could have cared less about and it sounded like the audience at the arena could have cared less about as well shana baszler yeah. ronda rousey thankfully it only went less than eight minutes i will say that had this story played out the way it was intended to maybe it'd be more interesting but yeah. Ronda Rousey had to get her way and decided to push everything quicker. And I think it's because of injury, but at the same time, Ronda just kind of does whatever she wants anyways. Well, so she web- doesn't she doesn't care for like she doesn't care for the WWE, doesn't care for the fans, doesn't no. you know. I mean you hear like there's a lot of interviews with her where she just trash talks. 
But if they would have let this build to WrestleMania, we could have had the teasing, which they were already doing before the injury. Then their tag team would have broken up. Then there would have been the the, the actually built storyline of why Shayna and and you could have you know made it more impactful. Instead, this happened in the course of four weeks, and it's like who gives a crap? Yeah, this match should have got cut. <laughs> it, it, that's the one that should have got cut. Yeah, well, and even like the the stipulation was like this is an MMA rules match, and it's like they could have been further from MMA rules on this one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it looked like so they were really hitting each other or whatever. But I mean, if it was real MMA rules, when Shayna kicked Ronda in the head and she fell down, they would have called the match right there. True. You know, but they couldn't end it right there. They had to, you know, keep it going for whatever reason. It like seemed like nobody in the audience even cared. I feel like so. you've said. I feel like you've said enough about this match, honestly, TJ. Yeah. <laughs> um, Gunther versus Drew McIntyre. Gunther. Hard hitting. It's just, I mean, just a banger of a match, I guess, right? <laughs> banger, utter, banger, utter, banger. Uh, so my question to you about this match is, mm -hmm. it felt like Gunther was going to win this one. Gunther and is going to break the Hockey Talk Man's record. Mm -hmm. I think that's where they're trying to get to before he loses that title. Um, but there is a mixture of Drew lost, and storyline-wise, he seemed fed up. But also, there is real life some fed, some frustration with Drew McIntyre and the fact that he hasn't re-signed that we're aware of. Yeah. Where do you think this goes for McIntyre? Honestly, man, that's... I don't even want to speculate on it because, I mean, I think a lot of times it comes down to the money. Yeah. And if enough money is thrown at him, then I think he would stay. Um. But then again, I mean, he, he's not in any storylines. He hasn't been in any good storylines since he was the world champion. And even then, the storylines weren't that great. Yeah. Right? So, you know, even the Intercontinental title match at WrestleMania, which was probably one of the best matches of the WrestleMania. I'll tell you what, man. I like Gunther being the Intercontinental title holder because it's like it brings legitimacy back to that title. Because how many years has that one just been passed around? Yeah. You know, and then, like, there's no legitimacy to it. I don't know, man. I don't know how, like, where Drew McIntyre goes from there. Because, yeah, I mean, it was a loss, but, I mean, that's just about it. I mean, they really didn't set the match up. I mean, there was no real, like, setup or no real build-up to it. You know, it was, uh, what was it, Money in the Bank in the United Kingdom. He shows up, and then that's it. And then it's just like, okay, well, now they're going to have a match, SummerSlam. Well. Uh, some some speculation is that, uh, especially the way he was acting towards Matt Riddle, who's in the doghouse apparently, um, leading up to this match, and how he reacted at the end of this match. Some people think that he's probably going to have a heel turn, uh, and he may honestly be kicking Matt Riddle in the head right now as we speak while SmackDown's yeah. going on. Uh, but yeah, I do... I am concerned. I, I feel like cause he hasn't gotten beaten down yet, so to be written off of TV, um, so I'm not really sure where this is going. He needs a heel turn. I think I think that would revitalize things. But then again, who do you put him up against? No. It's, you know, Seth Rollins. Be I mean, which which brand is he on? Is he on? It, does Smackdown? it even matter anymore? No, not really. But sometimes, I mean, I guess if they're trying to set some things up, it might. He's currently under Raw brand. So he uh, could right do now. a heel turn and then like go up against Seth Rollins. Yeah. And then have like a good, you know, two or three month storyline with Seth Rollins. That's fair. But even then though, like, you know, are they going to put take the belt off Seth Rollins? Or are they <laughs> going to, which I guess goes into our next match. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, okay. So yeah. Are they going to take the belt off Seth Rollins? When are they going to take the belt off of him? Who's going to get it? Right. Because Damian Priest is senior money in the bank. Yeah, it kind of feels like, I, I don't think it does have any impact, but it seemed like before the writer strike and then the actor strike occurred, well, I guess the actor strike does play into it. Um, it seemed like because of his work with Marvel that they were going to like expedite Seth Rollins' run as champion and then probably put him out for a bit. Uh, so that way he'd go do his filming schedule, and that's why he was wrestling, like, in... He was defending the title at house shows, he was defending the title at restaurants, like, everywhere he could defend the title within, like, this 
three-week block, he did. Uh, he was on NXT, Raw, SmackDown, any anywhere he could defend the title, he was doing it. But now it seems like, well, I mean, he, you don't have to shoo him off. Uh, I do think it's weird that Finn Balor has gotten like 50 chances at this title. I love Finn Balor. I would have liked to see him take it off. Uh, but at the same time, I think now it's just been like, God, we're getting another. It's like, is Finn going to get another shot at this thing? So here's what I think should happen. I think Finn should get one more shot. I think Finn should win it. And I think Damian Priest should cash in on Finn, win it, and start the storyline of breaking up or something of the uh, Judgment Day. Because, let I me mean, let's face it at this point. Judgment Day doesn't really feel like a faction anymore. And when they are a faction, they don't really feel like a top faction, right? They're no. not the bloodline, you know. They are a mid-card faction. Um, Damian Priest would have a better singles run. Finn Balor would have a better singles run. Uh, Rhea Ripley and, and Dominic Mysterio already have great singles runs. But as a faction, I mean, they're kind of pointless. So I think this is I think that's how they need to do it. I mean, they're teasing it. They're teasing it a lot. They're teasing uh, Damian Priest cashing in that, you know, money in the bank. And I think the best way to do it would be for Finn Balor to win. And then you have a storyline with Finn and Damian Priest with, you know, Dominic and Rhea Ripley kind of in the background trying to choose a side. Whose side are they going to choose? Right. You know, it feels like there's a chance that J.D. McDonough may uh may keep the the whole judgment day from completely splitting mm -hmm. and more so either Damian Priest or Finn Balor being forced out in JD McDonough taking the spot which was the speculation slash dirt sheet reported rumors months ago when JD McDonough uh came into raw from the draft I mean, I think at this point, it's just when is it going to happen? Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I think it's I think it's a win and not an if. Yeah. All right. Uh, two matches left or three, however you want to look at it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Bianca Belair, Char Charlotte Flair, Asuka, women's title match. I don't remember there being really any buildup for a three-way match on this. Honestly, if we're just being honest, out of the three women's matches that were originally on this card... Mm -hmm. If we're being truly honest with ourselves, this is the one that I felt like had no bill. Honestly, through the card itself. So if you add back Ronda, if you add back uh, Becky and Trish, every card on this match, except for the the Battle Royale, which I didn't see at the time of the card being released and I made a tweet about it. This card was like one of the most, like every storyline has this personal grudge built into it. Yeah. Like... Yes, the Ronda and Shayna one is pretty weak, but at least it's there. The only one that was the exception at that time was this triple threat match, which didn't really make a whole lot of sense because it just Charlotte shows up and says, I want a title match. And then Bianca said, well, I deserve a title match. And then Asuka said, no one's ready for Asuka. And then now they're all three getting a title match. It's just, well, yeah, you really know, no like, build. there was more build with Asuka and Bianca Belair because it was, yeah, Oscar, who took the belt off Bianca by cheating, um, with the the mist stuff, spraying it on her hands and rubbing it in her eyes in or whatever. Face, yep. Um, so there was more of a build up there. They could have done better with it, but the whole Charlotte Flair thing of it, it's just kinda like, when did she get back and why is she in this match? Well. You know, like I don't remember seeing anything on those. So but then uh EO Sky Cashes in after Bianca Belair gets injured, which I don't know. It looked, it could have been legit, but it it, it looked more fake, you know, more, more storyline. Yeah. But cashing in, which I mean that that's that's something like you don't want to put the belt on Charlotte Flair to give her a number fifteen on the world on on the championship, right? Yeah. Only to lose it because it seems like they do that a lot with with they did that a lot with the. Uh, um, crap, what was her name? Sasha Banks. Yeah. When they give her the title, and then she would lose it almost immediately. And there were several times where they put the belt on Charlotte Flair, and within like a month, she'd lose it. So it was kind of like, why do you even have that reign? It's just being passed around like the Intercontinental title of, you know, the mid-2000s. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. But, um, you know, Eos Guy cashing in, becoming women's world champion. Does this break up damage control? It should. It should. 
Because you still think like Bailey's still like going to be the the narcissistic one who wants to control everything, and but you know Eos guy is going to you know kind of step away on her own kind of thing. I mean, they've honestly been teasing a breakup since WrestleMania. Yeah, I think it. I, I know Dakota Kai's injury may have maybe slowed down the progress, but I feel like you kind of have to. I just I I think it makes a lot of sense storyline wise. That Bailey doesn't have the ego to not want to 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 be upset that that uh, Eos guy has the spotlight in the group. Yeah, um, it, it 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 kind of in a funny way reminds me of what's happening in AEW with Christian Cage and oh, yeah. Luchasaurus, where Christian Cage is carrying the title, talking it about says he's his, the champion, talking about his title defense, and like uh, I could see Bailey doing something like that. Except it, it's not going to be as mitigated by EO as what it is Luchasaurus because he's dinosaur. He doesn't understand human words. Yeah. But EO does, and she's clearly been bothered by Bailey's attitude for a while. And now that she has the the belt, she's probably going to feel more emboldened. Yeah. To randomly yell her aggressive Japanese at Bailey, which I love. I love every time she snaps and just starts unloading her native language on someone mm. i don't know what she's saying but i get the context of it i get the i get the feeling <laughs> so apparently there's rumor now that um a Kyrie sane is, is resigned yep. with the wwe so you think this is part part of the reason is put the belt on eosky so they can set up a Kyrie sane feud probably that belt? Pro- probably i mean i forget i forget there was another person there was someone else that I thought was also part of the, hey, this person has also re-signed. And everyone's like, bull crap. But I can't remember who it was. It was a guy. Ah, uh, but I can't remember. I'll never remember. I'll never oh, remember. I don't think Brian Pillman Jr. is in talks. <laughs> yeah, Brian Pillman Jr. is going to, uh, he's a, he should be showing up at NXT soon. Like but. he's already, he's already signed to the Performance Center. Yeah. That's awesome. Good for him. Good for, good for Brian Pillman Jr. Like I think that Bray Wyatt's still rumored to come back at some point, but not Bray really. Bray Wyatt, now the rumor that has broke out is that he's actually been dealing with a life to career threatening illness. Yes. Yeah. And so. of course, I like that he's not revealing like what it is. He's not going out there and talking about it or anything. You know, keep keep it private. It's no one else's business kind of thing. No. And, and, and if he does return, and this is not to say anything bad about survivors of any long-term or serious illness, but there was a part and it wasn't just, you know, it wasn't just a single person. Like there was a part where everyone kind of felt the whole Roman thing of how quickly I I know you can't, you can't, you can't cookie cut this thing. Like if he came back and he got through his leukemia, awesome. Mm -hmm. It just, it felt like this weird thing where he was getting booed then we have this tearful goodbye. We may never see him again. He's fighting for his life. And then he comes back, and now he's a champion. It's just like, I don't know. Like, there were some skeptical people out there like, I know he wouldn't lie about it. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah, it's just, it's I get just, what you're saying. Did like, they pro- like, did they promote it as a way of gaining... Because he didn't have to. He didn't have to mention anything. He could have just left. And there's con- there's people that... Well, no, he couldn't f- have just left. He was the champion. Uh, but I mean, he didn't have to specify. He could have just been yeah. like, and, and I know it also makes sense for him. I'm not saying Roman did this. I'm yeah. more so skeptical of WWE. And let's be clear by that. I mean, Vince McMahon yeah. and, and their promotion of his serious illness. Like I, I felt, I just kind of felt there was a part of it felt like, ugh, like this is, they're going to use this when he comes back as like. Oh, and they did for a little bit. Yeah. But then, like, COVID hit, and then he went away, and they, you know, it's like, oh, okay, well, you know, because Roman has this, you know. Serious? Yeah, he's. He's like, yes. Yeah, you know. Not want to take anything from Roman. Like, I think Roman deserves to be praised that he dealt with this twice in his life and got through it both times. I just, I always feel skeptical when WWE puts its hooks in something serious like that, because then it becomes less about the person and more about their profiting off of that. And that just, yeah. that just is Vince McMahon. And it just is a very uh, icky feeling. 
Sorry, but I, I mean, tra- like, I, it I derailed is... us, but we were talking about Bianca Belair, Oscar, and Charlotte, so I feel like that's probably appropriate. Well, Most people we probably got up and took about... a bathroom. I think I think we uh, I think we were we went into Roman Reigns, which actually is good, you know, into the next. Final You're welcome. Match. You're welcome, TJ. <laughs> yeah. So, what'd you think? Okay, so I think I think everyone, you, me, the world, people himself jay i think we all expected jay to lose i think the question was how was jay going to lose and i think some people suspected jimmy would be involved i personally the thing for me is that i was on vacation during this 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 premium live event so i didn't get to see it live until the next day but i was keeping up with it on my phone and I had just, like, we had just closed down Silver Dollar City, which closes at 10 o'clock on that night. Yeah. Uh, we made a quick run to McDonald's, which was just a crap show in Branson. So I'm sitting there. It's like 1120. I'm like, okay, let me see how things have wrapped up. And I pull up my little live ticker thing, and it's like, Jimmy has appeared. I'm like, it's 1120. This match is still going on? So I forget what I was doing. Oh, no, I was watching On Patrol Live like I normally do. But then, like, when it went off, I was like, well, I'm going to turn it on. I'm going to, you know, go to the WWE. Watch the replay. (laughs) Yeah, watch the replay of SummerSlam, or at least start watching it or whatever. And the match was still going, and it was at the point where they're actually in the crowd. And there's, like, some guy going. It's like, do it for Jimmy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even remember that. It's like, you know, he's about to put his, you know, Roman through a table. He's like, do it for Jimmy. Do it for Jimmy. <laughs> and I'm like, holy crap, this thing's still going. So I sit there and watched it. And I watched like the last bit of the match and I was just like, Holy crap, they're actually gonna they're actually gonna put the belt on nope, nope, there's there's solo. Okay. That's what's gonna happen. Solo's gonna come in, you know, like they normally do, which I mean it's it's given at this point. Roman Reigns is gonna have a match. He's gonna get to the point where he's about to be beat. Solo's gonna come in and save him. But then, you know, all hell breaks loose. Solo comes in. They try to do the double finish. Jay pulls Solo into the spear. And then after that, it's like, holy crap, could this be the turn on, you know, Roman Reigns from Solo? Unfortunately, that didn't happen. But, yeah, Jimmy coming in. I did not see that coming. But, I mean, it's... It sets up a good storyline. It continues a good storyline with those two, at least. Right? So, the the funny thing about all of this is how people have come after the fact to be like, this gimmicked match didn't follow its gimmick rules. <laughs> Even Freddie Prince Jr. Freddie Prince Jr. has been on a warpath of giving his opinion on any, everything he from Star to be Wars. He a writer, though, for WWE. And, and he also has been a voice actor for parts of the Star Wars universe. But he is giving his unfiltered thoughts in both products here lately, uh, telling us to grow up that like Star Wars but have criticism, and telling WWE, why are you having a tribal combat where anything goes, but no one can interfere, interfere but then everyone interferes in the yeah. match. <laughs> Which is Which, fair. Yeah, but I mean, did you expect them? I mean, that's kind of the thing. It's the bloodline. Did you really expect no one to interfere? Like, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I don't even think that if they were to do a steel cage or a hell in a cell match or anything like that, that somehow someone yeah. wouldn't get in the ring and cause interference. Yeah, I think I think the bigger takeaway for me, the one thing that I would have if I if I if I could put on my hindsight 2020 glasses and uh and I was a creative producer for WWE, mm-hmm. what I would say is, "Hey, we shouldn't show Jimmy's face." Because I agree with the notion that there's dirt sheet report that one person in WWE creative doesn't want to see Jimmy and Jay have a one-on-one match until WrestleMania. That makes total sense. Yeah. And you could have drug it out for a bit longer by not just having it specifically see Jimmy's face. You could allude to it. You could make it speculative, but have a mask on him. Have something on him so that way we don't know for sure yet, and then you can drag it out. But the fact that he came out there and is very clearly Jimmy, it's like, well, they have to now have a match at Payback, right? 
Yeah, I mean, I guess they could have done the whole, like, oh, my God, who is it? Who is this guy? I mean, he had his hood up, right? And he had, like, a, you know, like a bandana over his mouth or his face. And his back was to the camera. Like, so, like, no one in the camera, you know, if you were watching it, you know, yeah, obviously you knew it would be Jimmy. But, you know, you could have still played it off as, like, who was the guy that came in that stopped the, you know, stopped the three count? Who was... You know, the guy and then have Jimmy not show up for a while or something. Yes, yes. You know, and you could have done stuff like that. But, I mean, it's, um, did anyone actually think that they were going to take the belt off Roman Reigns after this historic 1,000 and however many days for him to lose it at SummerSlam? No. To his cousin? Nope. He needs to lose it at the next WrestleMania to Cody Rhodes. Exactly. And me and you have both talked about this before, so I think we're still on the same page. We clearly want to see Cody Rhodes enter number one or two in the Rumble because yes. it doesn't matter because one or two, it's basically you're starting. Like that's yeah. the, that's the key point. Yeah. We want to see him start the Rumble. You enter number one or number twenty nine because let's face it, one and two are the same. Yep. <laughs> so we want to see we want to see Cody number one or start the Rumble, win the Rumble, and then complete his story where he's now earned it. Right. That yeah. was the criticism. Is that. If you wanted to make a creative case against Cody winning the the title at this past Mania, he came back so soon. He didn't have a lot of matches. He really didn't have a chance to build up that whole underdog story. And now we've lay are laying better groundwork here, where he's fought through some adversity, namely the biggest adversity being a Brock Lesnar sized wall that yeah. has impeded him for three months. And so yeah, it's making a lot of sense that if that's the route they want to go, and I. I have a friend who constantly asks me who like who could beat Roman now. No one should beat Roman now. Exactly. Except for Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania 40, right? That's the next one, 40? I think so, yeah. I, I think this last one was 39. That's it. That's the thing. That's There's no other way around this anymore. They've built themselves into a corner where everything else feels very unsatisfying. Exactly. But... Yeah, I mean, I just I don't see like even I don't even see Roman doing like many pay per view matches from here until Royal Rumble. No, because what's left? I mean, we have Payback, but then I'm sure that there's going to be another one, and then Survivor Series, and then another one. Let's see. I think they have. I think they have announced his uh, his schedule, right? I think they have. Uh, the full list of Reigns planned appearances is as follows. So that's all of June, July, August 5th is SummerSlam. Also, they don't have anything after that point. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> Which is why a lot of people thought that they were, you know, they were he was going to drop the belt to SummerSlam. No. No, they'll find a way to keep it ticking on. Yeah. Um, and that's why now there's a second championship belt so they're on premium live events you can close out the show with uh with yeah, Seth Rollins Seth. and his matches. And honestly, probably pretty good for Seth Rollins too to have that shine for a couple of pay-per-views or premium live events yeah. because he has like his title hasn't had that spotlight yet. And I mean, let's face it, everyone knows it's a secondary title that was it, created. Which is why I don't want Cody anywhere near it. Exactly. So Did you see that uh him and Shinsei Shinsuke Nakamura happens to be probably the next the next to battle? Really? Uh, so on Raw, uh, Sami Zayn was supposed to team up with Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins to take on Judgment Day. JD McDonough attacked him in the back. His golf ball elbow was shown, so he was taken out of the match. Shinsuke popped up and said, I'll join you. And Seth Rollins said, awesome, let's do that. They had their match. They won that night for the main event. And as soon and right before the show went off air, he got kicked in the back of the head by Shinsuke and beaten down by Nakamura. So, yeah, it looks like all roads are pointing to Shinsuke at Payback versus uh, Chef Rollins. Well, that'd be good, I guess. Uh, I mean, it's it's different storylines. My biggest complaint with WWE for the longest time was you would have this belt, right? And it'd be on John Cena. And Batista would challenge for it. And then the next month, he challenged for it again. And then the next month, and then for like for four or five straight pay-per-views, it would be John Cena versus Batista. Oh. And every time, the match would be different, right? Yep. I mean, they've done that for the, for the longest time. And this was, of course, Vince McMahon writing because, you know, um, apparently it's, you know, that's how you do it. Is you write the same show over and over and over. Uh, he wrote but, it with a broken freaking neck. <laughs> But at least, like now, like they may go two months of a storyline, 
Yeah. Before switching to something else. Yeah. I think I think Seth needs to have variety. I think I think more people need to challenge him for that title before it eventually comes to its end, because yeah. not, it helps the title, but it also helps the the roster on Raw. And I know that the brand split doesn't really matter anymore. They quickly made that kind of a non thing, especially now that there's a world of free agents, so people just can show up. <laughs> like, well, why yeah. wouldn't you all want to be free agents? I don't understand. Um, but yeah, so SummerSlam, what'd you think overall? Overall, I mean, it was it was it wasn't bad, but it wasn't great, right? Yeah. I mean, there there was a lot of like I think there was maybe three matches worth seeing out of all of them. Three I matches so. that I think were SummerSlam worthy. Um, the Battle Royal. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, mean Cody, honestly, compared to some of the matches, you ain't wrong. Yeah. Well, the Cody Brock Lesnar, um, just because. Gunther or Gunther or whatever Gunther or Walter or whatever his name is, mm-hmm. is just like his matches are just you wa- really you watch you watch those matches and you you feel like the redness, right? You feel like the whelps and the you know the the blood coming up to the surface for after yeah. all the chops and all the hits and everything. You feel the rupturing of the blood vessels yes. upon your skin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's like he's not hitting you, but. For whatever reason it's like you're just like you hear that slap and you're like ooh well, he that just hurts. he he looks really intense too yeah like everything he does looks super intense so it's very believable that he is kicking someone's ass yeah exactly so uh Gunther match Rock Lesnar Cody and then Roman Reigns uh Jey Uso probably about the only three matches that I would think would be suitable for like you know the biggest event Outside of, of WrestleMania, <laughs> right? Because let's face it, that's what it's built up for. Is you have WrestleMania in the winter slash fall or uh, spring, and then you have you know the summer slash fall SummerSlam. Yeah, you know, and that's that's what they build SummerSlam to be. It's like oh, you have WrestleMania the top tier, and the next tier SummerSlam, and then everything after that is just whatever it is. Yeah. Um. Some people would argue that the next tier would be Survivor Series and Royal Rumble, and well, then there's Survivor a tier of everything after that. Series, not so much. But I mean, last year I think they actually did the War Games, which it wasn't. You know, but how many years did they do the Raw versus SmackDown for bragging rights? I hate that. <laughs> I hate, I that, hate too. that. Like no titles are on the line. Nothing. Just constant. they get to wear they get yeah. to wear their blue shirt and their red shirt. I hate it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like that. You know, champion versus champion every time, but no belts are on the line. It's like, come on. That's like that's like having uh, that's like having a rivalry between uh, the starting five of your professional sports. Like your like if you're a Lakers fan, it's like we're now gonna have a series between the starting five of the Los Angeles Lakers and then the bench players of the Los yeah. like to settle the score. It's not settling the score. It's the same damn team. Like I don't yeah. know what you're talking about. <laughs> so. I mean, Survivor Series at one point was, but honestly, I like even Survivor Series. Like even the gimmick match of Survivor Series is kind of, yeah, kind of pointless, right? That's fair. That's fair. But I mean, Royal Rumble, Wrestle or like WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Royal Rumble would be the top three tier pay per views. Well, you know, you know what's not worthless? The largest drawing stadium show in all of wrestling out at Wembley. In London, England, we have AEW's All In 2023. It has a current card that looks as follows. On the pre-show, which I actually really love because that's usually the only thing I watch because I refuse to pay 60 bucks for a pay-per-view. Yeah. The pre-show will have Ozzy Open, who are the current ROH Tag Champions, versus Better Than You, baby, which is MJF and Adam Cole. That'll be on the pre-show. There'll probably be another match on the pre-show because they usually do about two. On the main card, you have FTR versus the Young Bucks in their rubber match. So this is the third time these teams have met. The first time um, in AEW, I think. Like the actual core AEW. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe it's the second time. Uh, But I know their first time outside of that was probably New Japan or ROH. Um, You have Hikara Shida. Versus Tony Storm, who did not participate in the tournament thingy that they're doing. She just said, I'm invoking my rematch clause and immediately got entered into the four-way. Versus Soraya, 
who is going to win tonight, spoiler alert, versus mm. whoever wins between The Bunny and Britt Baker DMD, which so Britt Baker is going to win. <laughs> and then you have a pretty stacked four-way match for the title at the event. Next, you have Darby Allen and Sting versus Mogul Embassy, which is A.R. Fox, Swerve Strickland with Prince Nana, who may be one of my favorite tertiary characters in all of AEW, in yep. a tag team coffin match, <laughs> TJ. <laughs> and then the main event of the show will be MJF versus Adam Cole, baby, for the AEW Heavyweight Championship. So they're doing a pre-show as a tag team. Yeah. Okay, that's definitely gonna fall apart then. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> so, so I feel like they've. I feel like they wanted to split this team up, and then because of how insanely popular they got, like, yeah. Shoot, we got to do it. Uh, so now I think what's gonna happen is. I'm curious to see if one of them sandbags the other in this tag match and makes them take the bulk of the damage or the bulk of the wrestling. See, that's an MJF move. And then, so that way, you can have the storyline built in that one is fresher for uh, the main event than the other yeah. uh, without being directly a scumbag. I still think they play this pretty gray and ambiguous during the tag match, but I feel like, yeah, because MJF is... MJF's been really weird. They're like trying to, it's tweener, it's tweener behavior. Um, but his most recent promo on, I think it was Collision. Mm -hmm. It may have been Dynamite this week where he opened up about himself and tried to be more relatable to the audience. On one hand, you could read that as, well, he's just telling you what you want to hear. On the other hand, if you take it at face value, it's like, they're trying to make him a, a face. So, or you can look at it like this. Um, Adam Cole, definitely the face, right? Uh, MJF <laughs> is the heel. MJF is a heel. So when they put that tag team together, because that was one of those things where they just put a, a bunch of random people together. Here. Yeah. And so that, so that's a way to build up that storyline, right? And you turn MJF, you slowly bring him towards face you know, level, I guess. Um, give him that promo where he's relatable, where he talks about you know, growing up and all the hardships that he's faced, you know, make him that relatable character only to do the, the heel, the backstabbing, you know, the heel turn to make the heel turn even. Yeah. He'll get booed real loud. Or, it'll, yeah. it'll be a good, it'd be good. I also would love, I also for like storyline reasons would yeah. love the inverse where Adam Cole does the heel turn and you see a heartbroken, dejected MJF and he kind of then is allowed to go, which he only wrestles five times a year, where yeah. he's allowed to go on like this whole, like, you can either then let him play off as a baby face, kind of like Austin, who's now fighting for vengeance, or you can go the super nuked heel, where I gave you, I gave you people one more chance for me to show you that I can be a good person, and that mother effer screwed it over. I am now going to do everything to show you just how awful I can be because that's what you deserve and that's what you filthy monsters want. But also, I do agree. I think MJF is the heel, and I think that we're just waiting for a swerve and for him to drop it because he's the devil. He still refers to himself as the devil, and very rarely have I found any literary device where someone claiming to be the devil has ended up to be the hero of the story. Well, you could also look at it like this, where the MJF has been a heel for so long that, and they've played with that, right? So I don't know if you saw it, but at the end of at the end of the tag team eliminator finals, where they fought FTR for the titles and they lost, MJF gets handed his title, and mm -hmm. Adam Cole is like facing the crowd, and MJF looked like he was about to do the the yeah the heel thing. turn yeah, and so yes, I think there is a part of that right where he just doesn't know life outside of being a jackass uh so i i there's so many ways you can go with it mjf oh, yeah. is by far the most interesting character in all of wrestling so yeah good I for agree. him I, I would love for him to maybe wrestle more but at the same time i'm not paying for any of their pay-per-views so yeah it doesn't really impact me all that much if he does or doesn't 
Yeah, that's true. I just true. never I get just, to see him wrestle. <laughs> I just I haven't been into AEW near as much. It's for the most part it's because crap. yeah, I mean it's like there was a point where it was like okay, well this is new, this is something different, you know, and they were telling better stories than WWE was because WWE was like okay, on this episode of Raw we'll have you know Bob versus Jack. Next next episode of Raw we'll have exact same match. <laughs> yeah. And then the next episode of Raw, it'll be another Bob versus Jack match. Yep. Yep. But uh, yeah, there's just only I, for them to fight at the pay per view. I want, <laughs> I want to feel some kind of interest in AEW, and I think AEW Collision is interesting because yeah. they do like the '80s promo stuff to kick off the show, where it's like immediately cuts to. Here's this group of wrestlers. They drop their aggressive promo, <laughs> and then it cuts to this next faction. Then it cuts to this next faction. Then it hits the intro music, and then it goes in. So it's different. It, it's produced different. It looks different. It does have a different feel to it. It's just it's on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't know if I'm gonna sacrifice a whole lot. Um, but they but they're trying. I can give and, them that credit. And you know, here's the thing. Like I was excited when CM Punk came back to AEW for the first time. Yes. Yeah. And then that incident happened, right? However it happened, I don't know. I don't know the whole story. I wasn't there. No clue. I don't I don't know the people involved. Nothing. It's just whatever's talked about on all the wrestling news podcasts and stuff, right? Yeah. And then, you know, he's gone. He's injured or whatever for so long. And then it's just like every time it's like, is CM Punk coming back? Is CM Punk coming back? And it's like, oh, shut up already about CM Punk. Like, I don't know if I want to see him back in AEW. <laughs> and then he comes back. And then, of course, he's like, I never lost the belt. Yeah. And then spray paints the X on the belt because he's straight edge or something. Because yep. I guess that's what you do. Yes. And drink Pepsis. Yeah. So. Well, I think that's enough wrestling. Uh, we're about yeah. to transition to watch the best of Del Gribble. Before we get to that, though, <laughs> there was the passing of Johnny Hardwick, who played or did the voice for Del Gribble. Johnny Hardwick has done other stuff, but the reality is this. He hasn't done anything that you've seen. His career is basically being Dale Gribble. He's done some executive producing. He's done some other work as himself, but as himself because of the popularity through Dale Grib uh, being Dale Gribble. And I think that's perfectly awesome. I think it's very rare to find someone that's so singular in that embodiment. And it's such an iconic character anyways. Like anyone that loved King of the Hill and some that haven't. The pocket sand alone has been a meme that has withstood the test of time. There are young people, people of an absurdly young age, that know at least the pocket sand meme, that gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> because uh, they may not know King of the Hill, they may not know who, why that man is throwing his pocket sand. But they know the pocket sand exists because uh, Dale Gribble is an awesome character. But sadly, there was the passing of Johnny Hardwick, the voice actor for him. And while there's so much I don't know about Johnny, and I don't want to take away from the passing of the human, uh, there is this sad notion that we're, you know, that there isn't going to be, I mean, there'll probably be someone that voices Dale if the eventual reboot of King of the Hill happens. It just isn't going to be the same. So it is, it does feel bittersweet in the, in the passing of the voice actor for Dale Gribble. But TJ, did you know that there were two other people that could have voiced Dale Gribble before it got uh, landed in Johnny Hardwick's lap? I did not know that. So his name is Daniel Stern, and you may not immediately recognize that name, but that is one half of the Sticky Bandits, or the Wet Bandits, depending on which Home Alone you were watching. And, I, mm. and I'm not talking about Joe Pesci, uh, but David Stern, not David Stern, Daniel Stern, was originally offered the voice role of Dale Gribble, turned it down because the money wasn't enough. Then, Stephen Root. Stephen Root was uh, auditioned for the role, and if you don't know who Stephen Root is, he eventually does land a role in King of the Hill, but he just felt like the Dale Gribble character wasn't the right fit for him. So he passed on that role. And then Johnny Hardwick ends up with it, and the Wikipedia for Dale Gribble lists him as an exterminator, a bounty hunter, an entrepreneur, a chain smoker, a gun fanatic, and a paranoid believer of almost all conspiracy theories and urban legends. What they forget to include 
is a cuck. <laughs> Dale Gribble is the best. Dale Gribble is the most absurd entity to ever exist. Some episodes, he is so oblivious that his wife is sleeping around behind on his back. And at other times, it doesn't matter because he is such a charming, loving father to a kid that is so clearly not biologically his that you have these moments where you go between thinking Dale is a nut to thinking this man is just a wholesome angel of absurd ideas. But at his very core, there is something good there. So let's protect our Dale. <laughs> because you may not know who I am, but I know who you are. And if you teach those kids about that sex at school, <laughs> TJ, oh, Dale man. Gribble, the voice Gribble. of a legend. <laughs> I mean, you can't, you can't like talk about King of the Hill without doing Boomhauer or Dale. That's true. <laughs> like, I mean, it's like, okay, well, um, Bill, like you, you may not do a Bill voice, but you're going to do Hank, you're going to do Boomhauer, and you're going to do Dale. Every time. Yeah. Maybe a Bobby, but yeah. Yeah. I never realized that his father was named Bug Gribble. <laughs> I didn't realize there was a Wikipedia for, and he's for an Dale Gribble. And he grows up to be an exterminator, and his father's name was Bug. I Did feel he like, kill his father? I feel like that's poetic in and of itself. There is so much tragedy, tragedy and comedy to Dale Gribble's <laughs> character. It is impressive. Uh, Dale did not learn... Oh, so, <laughs> here we go. Uh, Dale Gribble. Dale has been estranged from his father, Bug Gribble, since he witnessed Bug kissing Dale's wife, Nancy, on the lips at their wedding day. In truth, Bug only kissed Nancy to hide his homosexuality as he was nearing... Uh, a kiss with a Filipino caterer. When Dale entered the room, Bug, afraid of his son possibly rejecting him because of his sexuality, panicked and reached for the nearest female, not realizing it was Nancy until the damage was done. Dale did not learn the truth until 20 years afterwards when Hank, Dale, Boomhauer, and Bill went to his father's gay rodeo to invite Bug to Dale's second wedding to Nancy. <laughs> that is a paragraph from the Dale Gribble Wikipedia. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> that is that is that is like two episodes worth of content of Dale Gribble, and that's not even the surface of Dale Gribble's character, man. Uh, oh, wow. So so while while both of us are very saddened about the passing of a human being, uh, I think there's also celebration in in these moments of remembering fondly what we what we loved about that person, and what they created. And while Johnny Hardwick didn't create Dale Gribble, his voice made made Dale Gribble so much more than what that character could be. That character could have sounded like a lot of things, but the way Johnny Hardwick decided to portray that, and maybe because he's a natural Texan too, mm -hmm. gave it that feel that like this is there's something special with this character. Oh, poor Dale and his wife <sighs> having all those massive headaches so Johnny Redcorn had to come over and help her. <laughs> <laughs> Who's it was what's their kid's name? Um, oh gosh, what is their kid's name? Uh, oh my gosh, what this is their is Bobby's name? best friend. J uh, Joseph. Joseph, that's right. Joseph. Joseph Gribble, and it's like he <laughs> clearly tell, but yet still somehow it's like, he just doesn't, yeah. He, so I think, so like the funny thing about Dale is that he buys into all these conspiracies and he's so paranoid about who's watching him and what's going on. He's got all this surveillance and he's always keeping track of what he's doing and kind of who's around him. And yet he it goes undetected, we assume, mm. that his wife is sleeping around on him. Uh, and he's friends with John Redcorn. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, why don't you call John Redcorn? <laughs> uh, I, some of the best, Some of my best episodes are when Nancy feels bad for what she's done. I'm just being honest. <laughs> just being honest because Dale is a nice guy, right? He's crazy. He's say what you will. Like, I mean, he still stayed with her and, and like he's raising that kid even though it ain't his and just yeah. He's a good guy. Oh my gosh, there's a pet there's a paragraph about Dale Gribble's political views. Oh wow. <laughs> Dale is highly suspicious of all levels of government and uh, adherently defends the Second Amendment rights, once remarking, guns don't kill people, the government does. <laughs> he is either libertarian or conservative. <laughs> well, that's, that's a very... 
<laughs> very open-ended there. He's either <laughs> this or that. Uh, Dale also refuses to pay taxes, does not vote at all, and occasionally prints his own currency. <laughs> Hank uh. Hill typically appearing on the 100 Gribble bill. <laughs> He runs away and sweats a lot when the IRS comes knocking on his door. In the episode Moving On Up, he refused to give Hank his social security number so the quartet of friends could rent a house on the block to use as a clubhouse. In another episode, he believed the government had tested deadly placebo drugs on Bill, supposedly made by Pfizer. Oh God, that's actually he may have they may have they may have called that one a little bit early oh, yeah. in order to create a group of super soldiers that could survive Arctic conditions to repel the Soviets in case of invasion via the North Pole. And now that episode comes to mind. It's because it we learn in that episode that um oh God, what's his name? Bill. Bill has a lot of seal and walrus type <laughs> similarities with his fat deposits his skin and his hair (laughs) (laughs) and kind of his face. He kind of looks like it in the face. Uh, Dale went on a tour of sites involved in the assassination of John F. Kennedy to confirm his conspiracy theories. But when he finally read the entire part of the key FBI report on it, he realized that the government had been telling the truth and that his entire worldview was ruptured. Dale then became even more annoying as a true patriot than he had been as a uh, dissident. He tried to turn Hank into the FBI and Homeland Security after even the normally patriotic Hank got sick of Dale's pro-government bragging, but used his newfound respect for the federal government to get obnoxious DMV employee to immediately correct Hank Hill's new driver's license after it had listed him as a female and gave bureaucratic excuses for not changing it. When it was revealed that the U.S. government made a mistake, Dale was forced to realize that angel anglifying nor vilifying the government was the answer and he had to think for himself i feel like someone got really opinionated in this in this wikipedia <laughs> oh wow there's a lot of stuff and there is a paragraph for rusty shackleford which i love because that's who calls people up and that's his that's his alias is rusty shackleford <laughs> when he's in new situations and gets called upon he says I'm Rusty Shackleford. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Uh, uh, In episode Bystand Me, Dale uses the alias of teenager Sparky Wilson when applying for a newspaper delivery job. (laughs) Dale. (laughs) Let's watch. Let's watch some Dale stuff. Let's watch some Dale. Yeah. Oh, hey, before we do that, uh, this has been Rage You Nerds. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Uh, please make sure to check out some of our other episodes. Check out our YouTube page. If you go to our YouTube page at some point, uh, you'll see what we're about to do next, and that is TJ and I are going to sit down and watch some of the best of moments for Dale Gribble. So if you'd like to see that, check out our YouTube page. We are Rage You Nerds on the YouTube. Go there. Have fun. We will see you on the next one when we talk into your ears and tell you lovely things. Goodbye. Goodbye.